This is Angela Bowen, the host of Together We're Gonna Find Our Way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. How is everyone doing this Sunday morning? I'm doing good. The sun is out, but it's like single digits cold outside. I have not been outside since Friday. I decided to hibernate and stay on the couch and stay warm and watch old Lifetime movies from the early aughts and the 90s. So, uh, oh, also, um, Friday, surprisingly, I got a day off from my job, which was awesome. And I saw the movie, The Upside, that has, uh, Brian Cranston, who a lot of you may remember either from Breaking Bad or if you remember the 90s when he was in Malcolm in the Middle, which is what I remember him from because I've never seen an episode of Breaking Bad. I really... I'm kind of trying to get away from stuff as far as, like, um, I liked weeds at one point, and it just feels like it's kind of similar to that. I'm just, I'm not into those shows anymore. Um, I don't know, maybe I might give it a try down the road. Um, and it stars Kevin Hart. It's a really, really good movie. And I'll read a description here. A comedic look at the relationship between a wealthy man with quadriplegia and an unemployed man with a criminal record who's hired to help him. This was funny. It really was. Actually, when I saw it, I, I told Jeremy, I'm like, is there's must have been like a senior citizen convention or something because there's a lot of senior citizens there that had like uh, badges on. So I'm like, I wasn't sure what that was about. Um, but anyway... Today, I'm going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 20 of Silver Spoons, entitled The Empire Strikes Out. We get a reappearance by Grandfather Stratton. I'm not too happy with him. Uh, and you probably won't be when you, read, when you hear this description of this episode. Grandfather Stratton offers Kate an executive position in California. Oh my gosh. Hoping that Edward will marry an heiress to expand the family fortune. When Kate finds out, Edward's relationships with both her and his father seem to be over with. Well, we know that he does not have the best relationship with his father. And from this, I can definitely see why. I'm sorry, but Edward worked for that that money that he was given from his uncle, right? To open these businesses and whatnot. And... He kind of steered away from his father because they both had different ideas of how he should use that money. And his father's ideas making money to or using money to make more money. He's all about uh, his fortune and ways to expand. And the fact that he's sticking his nose in Kate and Edward's newly formed relationship and saying, Edward, I want you to marry an heiress to expand the family fortune. 
And I was I was um driving on my way to my job and I was just kind of thinking about that. What's to say that he's not going to try to get into even though Ricky's only 12 right now, what's to say he's not going to say, "Hey, Ricky, I think you should marry an heiress's child, a daughter or something like that to expand the family fortune." I mean, <sighs> I mean at that age, I mean Ricky probably be fine with it, but, uh, as he gets, I mean, come on, no one wants to be told who they're going to marry. This episode has a 6.8 out of 10, based on 21 ratings. It was directed by Jack Shea, writer, or, uh, creator, David W. Ducklin, who created Punky Brewster. We have Ron Levitt, Michael G. Moy, who are also creators on the show. We have a uh, written by Stephen Pritzker. More creators here: Martin Cohen, Howard Leeds, Ben Starr. Yeah, we got some connections here. Oh, Star Wars title reference: The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Oh, this episode aired on February 26th, 1983. Alright, as I like to do before I get into the episode itself, I'd like to let you guys know, if you're new listeners, thank you for jumping on the on the bandwagon here. <laughs> um, if you want to follow along with the podcast, there are many ways to do so. If you've been listening to the Punky Power podcast, guys, just... just Sit on that for a bit because that's where you're also going to get your Silver Spoons podcast episode information is from there. Silver Spoons podcast also has its own Facebook and Instagram page at Together We're Gonna Find Our Way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast, and Instagram's Silver Spoons podcast. So there are many ways. Um, If you guys like the podcast episodes, or if you want to talk about Silver Spoons or Punky Brewster, you can do so, or if you have any questions about the episodes or anything like that, you can email me at punkypowerpbpodcast at gmail.com or silverspoonspodcast at gmail.com. It doesn't, doesn't matter to me, whichever one you want. Um, also, for those of you that have been listening for a while and you enjoy the podcast, Please, if you could, go to iTunes, rate and review the show. The more reviews and ratings it gets, the more popular it gets, and the more noticed it gets by other Punky Brewster Silver Spoons fans like yourselves. So, yeah. Um, what else did I do this week? Um, that was pretty much it. Um, I did finish a book, which is kind of a reread for me. It's one of my favorite books I uh, first read... Towards the end of, I think it was like either my junior or senior year of high school. And it's an older book. It was hard to come by. And I just happened to magically find it at a used bookstore. The cover's not in the greatest shape, but that doesn't bother me. I read it like maybe every other year or so. And I just, I wanted to read it again. Because I'm in the mood for, I like. YA, but I like reading older YA. I, um, on Amazon, or, uh, eBay, I was able to get a couple books 
from that are written by Norma Klein. She's kind of in the same vein as Judy Bloom. She writes um, young adult books. But I'm going to read for the book The Wind the Wind Blows Backward by Mary Downing Hawn. And if you know Mary Downing Hawn, she actually, for the last few decades, has, or a couple decades, she's been writing mainly um, children's horror books, or um, scary books, I guess, if you want to call them that. So, Alright, The Wind Blows Backward. Lauren and Spencer share a love of poetry and both have problems with their parents. But with... But when Lauren realizes that she is falling in love with Spencer, she also begins to recognize his moody and self-destructive side. Yeah, um, Lauren and Spencer are both high school seniors. This book came out in 94, so a lot of these references for kids today you're probably not going to get, unless you were a teenager back in the early to mid-90s, which... I was, I mean, like I said, I didn't read this book till probably like 1999 or 2000, but I was a teenager in 1995, but it, um, it's a good, like I said, it's a good book. R- really enjoyed it. They're both, the, both of them are seniors. Lauren's kind of quiet. She works in a library. Spencer is a jock. He plays in all the sports. They used to be friends back in middle school when they were both kind of nerdish. And I guess once they started high school, Spencer, you know, got rid of his braces. He wasn't, he was more of a jock than a nerd, went out for all the sports. And he kind of left Lauren behind. They used to uh, hang out and talk about the Lord of the Rings and other fantasy books and everything like that. And... But one day she's in the library and he comes up to her during their senior year of school and starts talking to her and they start to become friends again and then they're becoming romantically involved. She sees that he does have kind of a dark side. He has these moments where he's happy, then he's moody, and she realizes there's something more going on beneath the surface than what he's showing to other people. So I'm not going to spoil it, but guys, this is a really good book. It is probably hard to find. I don't know if it's on Audible or not, but um, actually, you know what? I could look. I'll look. I don't think it would be, though. Yeah, I checked. It's not on Audible. I'm sorry. But all right, um, let's get on with the episode and see how this is going to go down. So we open up the episode in the living room, and Edward is having Kate dictate a letter for him about one of his toys, which is a Mount St. Helens bathroom dispenser. Okay, I don't see how that's a toy, but... Oh, it's it's black toothpaste! Oh, Edward, no, that's not... Mm, it's probably even like tar. Ew. I'm sure the public doesn't want black toothpaste. Stick with blue, stick with green. Typical colors. People, colors that people are familiar with. I thought there's even like a cinnamon type toothpaste. I know I've seen that in the store. I haven't used it. But I don't know. Would that be red or would that be its typical blue color? So, Edward here, while he's dictating this letter, looks at Kate and says how he'd like to plant a kiss on 
those beautiful lips. Let me guess, she writes that in the letter. It's like, I can see here how their relationship is kind of, uh, it's becoming a bit distracting in the, in the workplace here, if you want to call it that. It's like you're dictating a letter, now you're mentioning what you want to do to Kate. Like, yeah, she's going to, I'm going to play this. This is just, oh my gosh. And so, Mr. Charles, I urge you to continue to push Eddie Toy's latest in its line of bathroom novelties, the Mount St. Helens toothpaste dispenser. <laughs> I realize that the public may be reluctant to accept black toothpastes. <laughs> However, I'd like to plant a kiss on those beautiful lips. That doesn't make sense. <sighs> that does. So, of course, when Edward says that, Kate just looks at, up from the letter and she's like, that doesn't make any sense. But then again, they kiss and it's all fine. And then we hear the train whistle blowing. So someone's coming in on the train. And it's Ricky, no surprise, and Grandfather Stratton who gets an applause because he's John Houseman. So, Edward's kind of like, oh, Ricky, how'd you get him to ride the train? Because I swear in a previous episode, when they brought up the idea of the train to Grandfather Stratton, I'm sure he probably said, well, I'm never getting on that in my life, so don't ask me. And Ricky's like, oh, I just promised him a lollipop. <laughs> Aw. See, that's the thing I like about Ricky, is the fact that he can melt your heart. And there's something about that charm that even an old grizzly man like Grandfather Stratton can tend to bend to Ricky's whims. Up to a point, of course. So I'm going to play this clip. Rick, how'd you get him to ride the train? Oh, I just promised him a lollipop. <laughs> Did you two have a good time fishing? Oh, yeah, it was great. Wasn't it, Grandfather? Sheer ecstasy. <laughs> well, at least you're the only one who caught something. Ta-da! It was an epic struggle. <laughs> so they went fishing, and uh, it's it's funny how you know when they ask like how to go, and. Grandfather Stratton is like, it was pure ecstasy. See, that seems like something that he would be like. You know, it's just something you sit and you're silent. You don't really talk. You just fish. And that, to an older gentleman, probably would be ecstasy. Just not doing anything but just sitting there and waiting for a fish to bite. And Ricky pulls out of the... That little uh, white bucket there. A little... Gosh, how big that that fish was probably four inches, maybe five, if that. It's not even the size of a subway sub, so but it was I like how grandfather Stratton is like, well, it was a struggle. He put up a good fight. And then we hear the lightning crackle outside. And Ricky's like, wow, that sky sure looks mean. And I'm looking outside, it's pitch black outside. There's no lightning, but you hear it. You hear that thunder. Like, um, try again. <laughs> because you can't see anything out there. 
Oh, they have a different uh, doorbell sound. I want to play that. That sounds cool. This is a business car, you just dropping by to say hello. Please. I would never drop by. Dropping by is for brush salesmen. <laughs> your father called and said it was imperative we meet to discuss your finances. <clears throat> he did, huh? And what's so imperative about my finances? Edward, you are always moaning and mewling about the fact that we don't have father and son chats. I thought this would be a perfect occasion to correct that. That's nice. I'd love to have a warm, emotional father, son, and accountant chat. <laughs> so Dexter's at the door, and <laughs> Edward's like, oh, you just decide to drop in and say hey? And Dexter, of course, is like, no, I don't drop in. That's for brush salesmen. I love Dexter's dry wit. It, it, it's just, it's so funny. Um... He says, well, your father insisted that I come over uh, to have a little uh, a chat with you guys. And Grandfather Stratton tells Edward, well, you're always moaning and mewling about the fact that we don't have father-son chats anymore. And I thought, why not open the channels of communication? Let's keep that. Let's, let's do that. And... Edward is a bit suspicious, which I'm not surprised being as Grandfather Stratton. He clearly has a motive for why he's there. That's why he invited Dexter over to talk about the business. So, um, if I were Edward, which I'm not surprised, he would be a bit on the suspicious side. Like, yeah, I'd love to have a meeting with my father and, oh, my accountant. Like, uh, I get the impression this is not going to go well. So Ricky kind of uh, does a little quip here. He's like, well, that's a be better than those father-son referee chats that you normally have. So Grandfather Stratton says, well, why don't we all go to the library for a chat? Richard, you can come too. Put the fish back. We don't need to bring that with us. <laughs> That's an improvement over the normal father-son referee chats. <laughs> Let's go into the library. Richard, you may come too, and if he's put down that fish. Dexter, would you like to go fishing with me sometime? I'm afraid that's impossible. I'm allergic to recreation. <laughs> so as they walk towards the study to have that chat, Ricky mentions, like, hey, Dexter, do you want to go fishing with me sometime? And I love Dexter's response. He's like, no, sorry, I'm allergic to recreation. Well, yeah, he's the buttoned-up business type. I mean, we thought Leonard was a buttoned-up business type. Dexter is that to a T. Nothing about him says relaxation and recreation. He's all business, all the time, 24-7. Yeah. So... Grandfather Stratton tells Ricky, Edward, and Dexter to hang out in the office area for a bit because he will be along momentarily. He actually is going to have a conversation with Kate. So he mentions how he is impressed with her work, and she's like, well, I don't think that you've seen my work. 
So he mentions that he has seen the result of her work. I don't think he means just her business sense. I think he's also referring to how Edward was. You know, his house was cluttered. He was a mess and this and that. And just how that she has been able to really straighten things up. You know, with the business, with the house and everything. And he mentions how now the only thing left in uh, shambles is Edward. Which <laughs> you're like, okay. So he kind of goes on to talk about his business, his empire, and how he thinks that Kate would be a great asset to his empire. As in, I think, yeah, he is trying to get her out of the picture so that way Edward can be more inclined to get with a woman who has money who could actually help their fortune. So I'm going to play this clip. Miss Summers, I've been meaning to tell you for some time how impressed I am with your work. Oh, well, that's very nice. But have you ever seen my work? I see the results. When you came here, Edward, his house and his business were a total shambles. Now, thanks to you, only Edward remains a total shambles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say that Edward shambles. In fact, I think See, that... I have a number of companies which form part of uh, what is quite justifiably called my empire. <laughs> I spend a lot of time trying to find competent people to conduct this business of mine, and in you I see executive timber. Me? Timber? Because <laughs> I'm thinking particularly of a company, uh, McIntyre and McIntyre, devoted to the manufacture of insulation for electric wiring, red, yellow, and green. Blue? No, we have discontinued blue, but that reveals the inquisitive spirit that is needed for this position. <laughs> I've decided that we'll start with the title of vice president. <sighs> I can't believe this. I mean, I didn't even think you knew I was alive. I mean, I was even afraid to speak to you, and all this time you were thinking I was doing such a great job. Summers, I think these sentiments belong in a personal diary. <laughs> right, right. Uh, is McIntyre and McIntyre in New York, New York? No, in San Jose. California? Yes, I'm glad you know the way to San Jose. <laughs> This is so sudden. I'd, I'd have to move away from Edward. I don't think I could do that. Oh, but it's, it's, it's a wonderful opportunity. Could I think about it? Of course. I advise you to ponder it deeply. I shall be here for another 20 minutes. <laughs> so, I'm guessing, does Grandfather Stratton know that she and Edward are even in a relationship? Or Well, he must, because... Clearly, this is what he wants, is to make her vice president of a company called McIntyre McIntyre that deals with electronic wiring and everything like that. It's located in San Jose, and even though Kate was flattered at first, she's like, is this in New York, New York? And he's like, no, it's in San Jose. And she's like, oh, California. Um, I don't think, can I think on this? Because, you know, I don't like the idea of, you know, leaving Edward. And he, and <laughs> Grandfather Stratton pulls out his 
pocket watch. He's like, yes, I'll be here for another 20 minutes. So take your time. Like, no, I can't see her wanting to take that position. I can even see Kate really thinking on, no, why did he bring this up? Why did he offer me this position other than to get me away from Edward? Oh, joy, we get Tommy the Therapist doll again. Wonderful. I bet Dexter's not going to be impressed with that either, because I know I'm not. Dex, this is my toy company's biggest seller. We call it Tommy Therapist. Here, Rick, you want to demonstrate it? Sure. You know, Tommy, you've really helped me. I feel good about myself. I don't feel depressed anymore. I've never been happier in my whole life. Uh-huh. Sounds like you could use a lobotomy. <laughs> That's very clever. May I try it? Sure. Tommy, last night I had an urge to glue chicken feathers all over my body and then leap off the top of the Empire State Building. Do you think I need help? Affirmative. <laughs> so... Edward gives the doll to Ricky and asks him to demonstrate. Ricky mentions how, like, oh, you've really helped me, Tommy. I'm not depressed anymore. I'm so, my life is perfect and everything. And then he pulls the string on the doll. The doll suggests that he get a lobotomy or be lobotomized. Like, oh, my God. Um, so Dexter's like, oh, that sounds, let me try that. Oh, and he tells Tommy, the therapist, like, oh, I, um, last night I wanted to glue feathers onto my body and jump off the Empire State Building. Do I need help? And before he can even pull the string on the back, that's when Grandfather Stratton comes in. He's like, indeed, you definitely do need help. Like, oh, God. Because, yeah, I don't think that Grandfather Stratton has even met Dexter yet prior to this meeting. Okay, forget what I said about has Grandfather Stratton ever met Dexter before. Well, he called Dexter over there because he wants Dexter to review Edward's portfolio as far as his businesses, his earnings. And for the last three years, Edward's companies, his financial cash flow has been staying at a steady rhythm. There's been no increase, no decrease. So so Ricky's like, that's great, Dad, as he and Edward shake hands. But of course, Grandfather Stratton is like, no, that's a disgrace. He, of course, being all about the money, 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 wants there to be an increase in revenue here. I'm going to play this clip as... Grandfather Stratton pretty much mentions about this guy who's close in earnings to, you know, aside from a couple million dollars around what uh, Grandfather Stratton earns. He's setting up this guy's got a daughter of marriage, um, what do you say, marriageable age? So yeah, he wants to set this up that Edward's just going to marry this woman and combine their fortunes together. Yeah, I can't see Edward going for that either. Like, whew, no, thank you. To review your recent financial position, I think we should all listen to his conclusions. Well, I've examined your statements for the past three years, Mrs. Stratton, and I've noticed that your property and cash assets have remained at approximately the same level. That's great, Dad. It's a disgrace. Why? What's wrong with it? He didn't lose any. With inflation, 
If you stay the same, you lose. Beautifully put, sir. Thank you. <laughs> now, I do have a solution to the problem. John Williamson is a business associate of mine uh, with an empire somewhat like my own. A few million dollars less, I think. But he has a daughter of marriageable age. Now, I thought if we could merge these two family what? empires... What are you talking about? He's trying to fix you up, Dad. <laughs> this lady good-looking? Is she a fox? I have no idea if she is a fox. I do know she has a pair of the biggest coal mines in the country. <laughs> we would, of course, go through the customary uh, pre-marital mating rituals before we book the church. I can recommend a very reasonable caterer. Hold the caterer, Dexter. I'm about to be very angry. Rick, maybe you should leave. Sit down, Richard. I want Richard to hear this. It affects his future. Uh, maybe I should leave now. Sit down, Dexter. <laughs> I want you to hear this. Rick, would you excuse us, please? Sit down, Richard. <laughs> I really shouldn't be in the middle of all this. Sit down, Dexter. <laughs> Look, why don't we both leave? That's an excellent idea. <laughs> Sit down! <laughs> so... Edward's father is like, oh yeah, don't worry, we'll set this up, and you'll have a pre-marital courting session, and Dexter's like talking about the 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 caterer, and his Edward's father's talking about the church, and Edward is right to get upset here. It's like, eh, yeah, we're not doing any of this, and things start to get very very heated as Edward turns to Ricky and says, "Son, I think you better leave because I'm going to say something I don't think you should." over here <laughs> and Ricky goes to get up and Grandfather Strand's like no Richard you sit down he'll stay here for this and then it's just a constant thing of Dexter wants to get up and like I don't think I should be in the middle and Edward's like Dexter sit down and then Ricky's like hey how about you and I both leave Dexter let's both get out of here and Edward and Grandfather Strand combined like sit down like, jeez, this is gonna get heated. Oh my god, no one likes to be in the middle of two people that are arguing. It is very uncomfortable. You don't want know what to really say to try to tamper things down. And it's like, oh my god. I, as a kid, I always seem to, like, try to get people to, I, like, try to, like, change the subject, like, get people, like, not to argue and fight. That was always the thing, is like, I always try to make people, like, I tried to be funny or something, some, change the subject or something to get people from arguing. But then again, his grand, uh, Edward's father is really overstepping his bounds in a major, major way. <sighs> of course, Ricky, when he hears about this girl, he's like, oh, is she a major fox? And grandfather's like, I don't know about if she's a fox. I know she's got two of the biggest coal mines around or something. So I don't know if that's supposed to be an innuendo, like she's got, you know, large breasts. Or whether it just means she has two large coal mines, as in, you know, making money from coal mines or something. But, uh, okay, let's hear this fight, huh? <laughs> oh, cool. Because Edward is not going to back down. You know this. You know, he's in love with Kate, and he does not want to ruin anything with her. 
Not to mention, Edward does not want to be told what to do by his father either. Dexter, I am personally offended at the medieval arrangement that my father is proposing here. You see, I use my money to make me and others happy. I have no interest in becoming the richest man in the world. It's not your fault, sir. <laughs> oh, well, I really must fly. I'm having dinner at Elizabeth Taylor's. If I don't get there soon, all the food will be gone. <laughs> Father, I have the best relationship with Kate I've ever had with a woman, and nothing you can say or do is going to mess that up. <coughs> Come in. Uh, excuse me. Uh, Edward, I have to talk to you. <laughs> So I don't know whether Dexter has a beeper or what that is that goes off. But he's like, oh, uh, I'm late. I really have to go. I'm having dinner at Elizabeth Taylor's house. If I don't get there soon, the food will be completely gone. So he quickly exits. He takes that and runs with it out the dang door. Uh, Kate comes in after Edward is telling his father how... He and Kate have a good relationship, a better relationship than he's ever had with any other woman, and that he does not look to build his fortune by marrying another person. He doesn't want to be the richest man in the world. He wants to use his money for what he's doing, making himself and other people happy, which, good for you, Edward, good for you. And at that moment, that's when Kate comes in and wants to speak to Edward. So Kate tells Edward that her or that his father offered her a job in California. And Edward's like, hmm, that's interesting. I like how he says the plot sickens. <laughs> and Ricky's like, but you live here in New York. That's gonna be a heck of a commute. So Grandfather Shren finally is done with his call. He tells the guy on the other line, um, Make that merger happen before I hang up this phone. Goodbye. All right, let's get to the meat of this here, as I'm sure Edward's got some words for his father. Yes, Dunsmore, what is it? Edward, your father has offered me a job as vice president of one of his companies in California. California? Since you live in New York, that's going to be a heck of a commute. <laughs> job in California? Well, that's interesting. The plot sickens. <laughs> Dunsmuir, listen to me. I want that merger completed the minute I hang up this duck. <laughs> Father, Kate tells me you've just offered her a job. It's time I left you. Sit down, Father. Well, all right, stand then. But this time, Father, you have really gone too far. Edward, why are you so upset? Kate, my father wants me to marry somebody rich so that we can expand the family fortune. That's the reason he offered you that job in California to get you away from me. Is that true, Mr. Stratton? I would not have offered you the job if I had not thought you were qualified. Then offering me the job had nothing to do with my relationship with Edward. You may regard it as a happy coincidence. <laughs> I 
I really fell for it, didn't I? Me, Executive Timber. Well, that's a laugh. Well, I suppose offering me a job is far more civilized than riding me out of town on a rail. Summers. No, hey, listen. You want me out of the picture? Fine, I'm gone. Goodbye, Ricky. Case. Goodbye, Edward. Apparently this episode does not want us to forget that there's a thunderstorm overhead as the lights keep flickering on and off. And, yeah, it's... I feel for Kate. I really, really do. As Edward kind of clues her in as to, my father only offered you this job so he'd get you out of the way so he could have me married off to an heiress. And Kate, you know, she actually thought it was because she was a hard worker and de- dependable and, and just an amazing worker and everything. And and she looks at, you know, she's stunned and she's hurt. She looks at, you know, Edward's father, like, is this true? Did you, is that the only reason you offered me this position? To get me out of the way of, so I wouldn't ruin your son's life? And he's like, well, however you, you want to take it is, I guess, how you'll take it. Just think of it as a happy coincidence. And Kate is near tears. She is really close to tears here. And she manages to hold it together as much as she can. She's like, fine, you want me You want me out of the picture? Fine, I'll, I'll go. And she's like, well, goodbye, Ricky. And she looks at Edward like, goodbye, Edward. And she, she leaves. She she doesn't stand there and say, no, I don't care what you say. I'm going to be with Edward. He and I are meant to be together. And I don't care what you, I'm going to turn down your job offer. And nothing you can say or do is going to keep me from your son. But she doesn't. She just says, fine, fine, I'll, I'll go. With her tail tucked between her legs. This breaks my heart so much. And I feel sad for, for Edward as, oh, the look on his face just breaks my heart as well. So now let's hear what he's going to do. Is he going to yell at his father or just say, thanks, Dad, father, you ruined my life. Thank you. I want you to leave. I think he's going to kick his father out. Let's find out. Thank you, Father. You've just driven off the woman I love. Kate! Kate, are you all right? I'm fine. All right, just whatever you do, don't try to... (laughs) To move. Uh, I'm okay. Yeah, what's going on here? Oh, Rick, the storm has knocked out the electricity. Just stand still, son, and don't try to... (laughs) To move. Son, you stay in here with your grandfather. I want to talk to Kate alone. So, yeah, Edward just looks at his father and is like, thank you for chasing away the woman that I love. As he opens the door, he calls to Kate. Boom! Power's out. And all you, you can't see anything. The screen is black. And we hear, I guess, Kate is trying to get out. And Edward's like, no, Kate, don't move. You're going to hit something. She does. He's like, Kate, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Ricky's like, Dad, Dad, what's going on? And Edward's like, well, the storm knocked the power out. Just don't move. Of course, we hear another crash. 
It's like, I don't know what I hit, Dad! And Grandfather Stratton is like, you hit me. <laughs> so, of course, Edward's irritated. He's like, Ricky, you stay in there. Rick, you stay in there with your grandfather. I'm going to talk to Kate. I kind of think that Edward's a little happy if uh, Rick knocked uh, his grandfather on his butt. Like, yeah, you deserve that, Dad. Let me ask you this. Have any of you ever been in a situation where you're just hanging out in your house or wherever and the power just power goes out? It's not fun, I can tell you that. Gosh, a couple of jobs I had been at, uh, the power had been out. It wasn't pitch black necessarily, but I remember the store staying open and we had to use like flashlights and of course... Um, we had registers, of course, that we had to go back to writing stuff down for people to be able to check out. It was like, eh. And I think it was like midday, so you did have some light coming through, but when you get towards the other, like, aisles farther down to the store, it's like you can't see anything. I remember one time here at home that the power went out, and it's like, oh, shoot, where's the flashlight? We gotta find a flashlight! Luckily, I mean, <laughs> we'd ha- um, have our phones as a flashlight to locate another flashlight or to... Uh, that's why we actually bought more flashlights so we had them on hand. And we also have candles too, those, you know, Bath and Body Works candles. So that way if there's any any issues... Let me tell you, when the power goes out and you don't have anything, like you don't have anything to charge your phone with... And it can get real, especially if it's like it's at nighttime. I remember the one last time that the power went out, it went out from like 2 until like maybe 10. And my battery on my phone was going really low. I think there was one time that I had been on my laptop to the point where my laptop had just died because it ran out of battery. (laughs) Just, ugh. It's just amazing how we get used to these conveniences and then when we don't have them anymore. Because I grew up, I didn't have a cell phone growing up. I didn't have a laptop. I didn't have any of that stuff growing up. So if the power went out, the only thing you could do, I guess, is go to bed. (laughs) What else are you going to do? I mean, if it's dark out... Anyway, if it's like 8 o'clock at night, it's pitch black. You're not going to be able to see anything anyway. So, well, I guess it's 8 o'clock. May as well go to bed and wait for the the sun to come up. Alright, Kate does manage to find a candle and she lights it. So that does give us a little bit of light. Oh, we do get a reappearance of Phil. He's got his arm in a sling and he's got like something like covering his head. Like he's got a head wound. <laughs> I want to play this. As Kate is actually, you do see, you know, tears in her eyes. And she just feels really, honestly, she feels betrayed. Like, how could your father do this to me? You know, it's hard enough in the 80s being a woman in, in the in the working world and everything. And then someone comes along and says, I could really use you. You're a valuable asset. I can make you vice president of this company. When in fact, underneath all that, there's an ulterior motive. She actually thought, like, oh, he really thought I was something, like, I could really be an asset. When in turn, he just wanted to, like, you know, get her away from his son. Kate, honey, don't just run away. We have to talk about this. 
Edward, how could your father do this to me? I was the one that was always defending him to you. Kate, look, what happened is not your problem. It's his problem. <laughs> your father doesn't think that I'm good enough for you. Well, maybe he's right. It doesn't matter what he thinks. What matters is what we think. <laughs> Kate, I love you. Well, I love you too. But maybe it's better for all concerned if I just bow out. It's not better for me, and I'm the one concerned here. I uh, will be ready on Thursday. Those uh, cordovan loafers with the funny-looking tassels. Kate, I gotta tell you, I think you're being... I didn't know you thought my tassels were funny-looking. <laughs> I'll never wear them again. that definitely eventually does get very tiresome with the candle as they light the candle the power goes on they blow the candle out the power goes out and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and the whole time that this is going on edward is trying to convince kate not to leave like please don't do this my father doesn't know what he's talking about i want you here it doesn't matter what he thinks what matters is what we think about each other i love you and she says i love you too but maybe that's not enough maybe i'm not she is really doubting herself as in maybe i'm not good enough for you and that's not true that is not true at all it just the grandfather the father wants to get in the way of making more money and he sees that as a way to do that by having his son married off to a rich another rich person just to combine their fortunes and i just think that is terrible and it's edward has got to be what at least in his mid-30s there I, but kate can't listen to reason she's like oh by the way your tasseled shoes with the fun you know the shoes with the funny tassels um, I guess, what, what, are they being cleaned or something? Because she says, or maybe they're being repaired. She says they'll be ready on Thursday. And she's like, I'm just going for where your father wants me to go, on the other side of the tracks, as she walks over the little train tracks. And she, oh, Edward is just angry. I think he's gonna let his father have it, because this is, this is going way too far, meddling in his personal life. Don't do that. Dad, can I come in? Or is there going to be more yelling and junk? Uh, son, I think you should go upstairs, put on your PJs, hit the sack, huh? But Dad, it's only 7 o'clock. And you're still up? Gotcha. <laughs> I sense that you're about to have one of your 
patented tantrums. No. Not this time. Father, the first woman I've really cared about in 13 years just walked out that door. Now, I intend to do everything in my power to get her back, but none of this should ever have happened. It's the same old story, isn't it? You interfere in my life with absolutely no concern over my feelings. Now, you and I have just come to the end of the line. Father, you are no longer welcome in this house. May I say good night to my grandson? You have five minutes. So Edward screams for his father, who is actually right on the other end of that desk. Ricky comes through and is like, oh, can I come out or is there going to be more screaming? And Edward's like, son, I really think you should go upstairs, put on your PJs and just go to bed. Ricky pulls his shirt back on his arm and says, oh, it's only 7 o'clock. And Edward looks at him and is like, and you're still up. You need to go now. <sighs> so Edward lets his father have it. He's like, you know what? You interfered in my relationship. You keep interfering in my life. You ruined my chance with someone that I have come to love and care about. First woman I've ever learned to care about, really care about in the last 13 years, and you let her walk out that door. And he, he, he basically, he says, you know what, Father, this is it. I'm, I'm, I'm done. You are no longer welcome in my house. And uh, his father just looks at him like, can I please say goodbye to my grandson? And I thought Edward was even going to add, oh, and by the way, you're not seeing your grandson anymore either. But no, he's like, looks at his watch, you have five minutes. As his father drapes his coat over Edward's extended arm, puts his hat on Edward's hand, and then, of course, his cane on his arm. And he heads up the stairs. I gotta agree with Edward. His father went way beyond what was something that was really none of his business. I mean, think about it. You're a 30-something-year-old person. You're in a relationship for the first time with someone that you really, truly care about and you have something with. And your parent comes along and says, okay, I'm having this person leave because I want you to marry somebody who's going to bring in more money into our family fortune. Heck no! No! You would put your foot down! Dang with that, uh, that storm does not know what it's doing. It keeps knocking the power out, keeps going on. As Grandfather Stratton is still going up the stairs, that man is going to fall and break his neck. So now we get up to Edward, uh, to Rick's room. I'm eventually going to have to stop, you know, eventually transition from calling him Ricky to Rick as he is going to get older. So if I flip-flop here and there, that's just what I'm doing. Um, we see that... He's lit a candle, he's hanging out by the windowsill, and his grandfather's going to come up and speak to him. I really hope, because Ricky seems to have a way with his grandfather where he can at least talk some sense into him. And I really hope that Ricky's got something, that charm or whatever, 
kind words to say to change his grandfather's mind. Like, you really blew it this time, Grandpa. You really, really did. You should not have interfered. I don't care that this person's got a bunch of money and you want that person to marry my father. I mean, he's not even thinking of, of Rick in this situation either. It's like that person would be his stepmother. He's not even thinking that a marriage would be built on love. It's no, it's more about financial stability. Richard? I find myself in your father's doghouse. He has instructed me not to darken his door ever again. Yeah, well, something's really drawing my dad up the wall. Like if he uses aftershave, leave the screen door open, drive off the woman he loves. <laughs> I see your sympathies are with him. You bet your bow tie. <laughs> It doesn't seem fair you expect my dad to marry someone just because she's rich. Richard. I know, I know. You're going to tell me what you always tell me. The world isn't fair. I was going to say that the more you own of the world, the fairer it gets. <laughs> when you grow older, you'll understand that. Now that burns my butt. <laughs> Everyone's always telling me, ah, when you're older, you understand. By the time I get old enough to understand, I won't care anymore. <laughs> if your father had taken my advice, he would have profited greatly financially. We have enough money, Grandfather. He has poisoned you. <laughs> I just want to make my dad happy. And Kate makes him happy. He loves her. Love, love. This is an illusion foisted upon society by impoverished poets. <laughs> Where did you get that? My dad gave it to me. I wanted to have a picture of my grandma, Abigail. Grandmother, Abigail. Marston, look at this picture. Figured that you and Grandmother loved each other. But I guess that was just another one of your business deals. I must admit that at the start it was a transaction. Her parents owned Northwestern Ocean Lines, and it seemed to fit perfectly into the Stratton portfolio. Let me ask you this. Did she love you? She uh, professed so. Did you love her? Yes. Grandfather. You miss her, don't you? Very much. Then why can't you understand that if my dad couldn't decay anymore, he'd miss her too? Well, what's done is done. Your father doesn't want to have anything more to do with me. Yeah, but if you apologize to him, 
apologize. If you knew me, you'd know I never apologize. I love you, Grandfather. But I've got to tell you, I think you're wrong on this one. Time's up! <laughs> Goodbye, Father. Edward, uh, there is something I wish to say to you. Yes. I think perhaps I may have been overzealous in my concern for your welfare. Yes. Perhaps I was wrong to give opinions, admirable though they were. Are you trying to say you're sorry? I think perhaps unconsciously, I may not have realized adequately the full consequences Father, why don't you just say, I'm sorry? I can't, I'm sorry. Wait, please wait. Dad. That's pretty close to an apology. I mean, it's in the ballpark. Son, it's a case of too little, too late. Kate is already gone. Now, since I do have a nugget of responsibility for her going, I will talk to her, and she will come back to you. So we can see, um... That there is, of course, no screen in this window whatsoever, as Rick has got his arm just hanging out the window, collecting rain droplets, I'm guessing. Um, his grandfather sits down in the bay window next to Rick and says, Looks like I'm in the doghouse with your dad, with your father. And Rick, of course, says that, you know, I said with my father, what you did to Kate is absolutely unforgivable and he even brings up a good point it's like the fact that you would just marry my dad off to some woman for money and, and Ricky said we have enough money and he Rick does get up he pulls the picture of his grandmother so we do get to see a picture of his grandmother and part of me almost thought that picture looked semi-familiar, whether... And I'll have to look. I will have to look and see if that is the same picture as Henry Warnemont's um, deceased wife, Claudia. I will definitely look and see if they are a similar picture. I'm. They probably are not, which I wouldn't be surprised, but... It doesn't hurt to look. The lady looks semi-familiar, but then again... It's been a bit since I watched that episode. Uh, so I'll put that on my to-do list for this week to check that out and see if the pictures are similar. So, Ricky... See, there... Uh, guys, I'm gonna flip-flop, okay? I can't, I can't control it. Um, he asks if his grandfather's marriage to grandmother Abbott, because he says grandma, and of course grandfather Stratton corrects him, grandmother Abigail. And Rick asks, well, did she love you? And he's like, yes, at first it was a business transaction. She did confess her love to me. I guess her family owned like the, the Northwest, like something or something to do with like, um, boats or something. Transatlantic travel, I'm not sure. Um, 
and he asks his grandfather, well, did you love her? And he says, yes, over time, yes. And Rick says, well, that's just what my dad feels about Kate. You know? And he says, can't you least apologize to my dad for what you did? And that's when Edward comes up, like, all right, all right, time's up. You gotta go. And Grandfather Sharon's like, I want to tell you something. But then, you know the way how he does. He's very formal in his wording. And Edward finally says, Father, can't you just say I'm sorry? And, of course, Grandfather Stratton is like, I'm sorry I can't. Like, you did, you you just said it, though. <laughs> so, Grandfather Stratton probably thinks he might have been a little, you know, harsh with, you know, with Kate, and he says, I will go to her and hopefully convince her to come back. And that's when Kate comes through the door. She is drenched from head to toe. Her hair is wet. It's just, she looks like she tried to make a run for it, but turned out the storm kept her from leaving. So I'm going to play that clip. And one thing I want to mention also about the window scene real quick is one of the things that Rick says, everyone always says, you'll understand when you're, when you're older. And I like how Ricky said, when I get older, I'm not going to care anymore. It's like, yeah, that is true. That's always the case when you're young parents that are like, oh, you don't understand, or you'll understand when you're older. Like, this is an adult problem or an adult thing that you really, I can't explain it to you. But when you're older and you face similar circumstances, you'll understand what this is. Like, uh, I'd say don't talk down to kids. If you feel they're mature enough to understand a situation, water it down for them. Give them a simplized explanation that answers their questions. If you treat kids like, oh, you're not, you're too young to know what's going on, then how is a kid ever going to want to open up to you if you are always shoving them off saying, no, 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 you're too young, you don't understand this. Kids aren't going to know the way of the world if you keep, um, you know, shoving off their questions and their concerns and everything like it doesn't matter. Like, they shouldn't need to know these things. Alright, guess what? I did the work. I looked it up. I cracked the case. I'm so proud of myself. I had to go downstairs and show Jeremy. Cause, and I will post this on Instagram and the Facebook page. Because this is amazing. To me. It might be to you too. So I took a picture of the photograph of Ricky's mother, Grandma Abigail or a picture of his grandmother, Abigail. And I took the disc out. I popped in the Punky Brewster Season 1, Episode 1 disc. And I know that we get a picture of Henry Wernemann's dead wife, Claudia. Took a picture of that. Compared the two. It's the same photograph of the same lady. Granted, this episode of Silver Spoons aired in 83. The episode of Punky Brewster didn't air till September of 84, so it's roughly maybe eight months difference. And granted, yes, that is a prop of a, a picture of a lady, but I just think that is so cool. 
I wonder... I don't think she's going to be in the... Um, because she was. it was just a picture of a person. Yeah, I looked it up on IMDb. Of course, it's just a picture of a person. It's probably a prop photo, most likely, because it was used in Silverstones also. We don't know. Maybe that photo was also used in other shows to... It, I don't know who it is. Maybe I could eventually like do some more research, see if I can dig up anything. But I just think that is so cool. I mean, no, there's no theories or anything like, like hey, this could be a connection from Henry Warnemont to the Strattons. Like, there isn't anything. Uh, Warnemont, uh, Punky, um, they were in Chicago. Strattons are in New York. That's quite a ways away, but... If you guys want to come up with some awesome theories and share them, that would be cool. But I'll leave that up to you. <laughs> All right. Well, Kate is going to let Grandfather Stratton have it. She's going to give him some words. She is angry. She's probably come to her senses, probably has some time to mull this over and debate. You know, her feelings for Edward are not worth running away. that my first instinct was to run away. But I've got something to say to you, Mr. Stratton. I may not have the right background or enough money to satisfy your requirements, but I'm a very wonderful person. You may think because you're successful in business that you have the right to tell everyone what to do. Well, you don't. There are other things more important in life than money, like having someone who really cares about you and who's there when you really need them. Edward is far more capable than you give him credit for. Why, he's bright and sensitive and really concerned about people. <laughs> and he's certainly old enough to decide what woman he wants. And I'm proud of the fact that he's chosen me. And I'm not going to let you or anyone else ruin what we have together. I love this man. <laughs> So yeah, you heard it there. She's professing her love to Edward in front of Mr. St uh, Grandfather Stratton. She says, you know, my first instinct was to run away, but I'm not going to let you tell me who I can and cannot be with. I love how she says how thoughtful and, and, and what a great man that Edward is. And he's kind and sensitive and all of that stuff. And she even says, like, you cannot stop who he is going to fall in love with. She says, I may not have status, I may not have money, but I love this man, and I know he loves me. And she walks over to him, and she takes him by the shoulders, dips him, and full-on kisses him right in front of uh, Grandfather Stratton and Ricky, who just stand there and it's like, oh, okay, this is happening. That's okay. And even Edward's a little stunned at this uh, profound um, admittance of um, affection. Or, or uh, way to go, Kate. Way to go. And admitting your feelings is like, hey. I don't care what you say. I am the woman for him. And he is the man for me. And you are not going to stand in our way. In the way of our love and our happiness. Like yes, yes, yes. That is how you do it people. That is how you proclaim 
proclaim your love to anyone that's going to stand in your way. To the person that you want to give your love to. And just think, you know, it's two people in a relationship. Not three people. It's just you and the other person. So she finally breaks away from the kiss. And Edward is really dazed. Almost like, what is happening? The way that she just grabbed him and dipped him and full-on macked him on the mouth. <laughs> I think he's trying to, like, kind of figure, like, okay, hold on. what, What's what's happening? Okay, I like this, but, um, what? <laughs> you see, Edward? I told you I'd take care. <laughs> oh, I, I do love Grandfather Stratton's response as, as he looks down at Edward and says, See, Edward, I told you I'd take care of this as he walks out the door. And so we get a little bit more credits come up, more applause, but they are, um, and it looks like Ricky is saying something to Kate, like, Are you okay? And everything, because she's nodding her head, like, Yeah, 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 everything's good. So I'm going to play this clip. Was great, Kate. Oh, going. honey, you're all cold and wet. Let's go and get you some warm soup, huh? How about a hot bath? Yeah. Okay. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I gotta blow out this candle. So yeah, he's like, oh, that was great. That was great. Um, um, and. Edward finally comes to his senses, like, oh, honey, you're shivering, you're cold, let's get you into a, let's get you some warm, some hot soup, and Ricky's like, yeah, we'll get you into a hot bath and everything, and it's like, let's get you, you know, get you warm, get you warmed up, because we don't got you getting sick. Of course, as soon, this is the gag that started, like, ha at the halfway point in the episode with that candle, because he's like, oh, here, let me blow this candle out, so, you know, the house doesn't burn down when we leave this room. Um, he blows the candle up, boom, powers out again. It's like, come on, seriously, Storm, what are you doing? Do we have power? Do we not have power? Do we have power? Do we not? But then again, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. Edward's got money, right? Wouldn't he have a generator, too? They must have had those things back then in 83. They must have. But yeah, that's the episode, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. I really, like I said... Finding that out, that link, in my mind, between Punky Brewster and Silver Spoons with that picture, I'm like, it just, because I'd seen the Punky Brewster season one episode, like, constantly to the point where, like, I know that picture in my head. And then just seeing it, then I'm like, could it be? Could it possibly be? And I just, like, grab the disc, put it in, check it out, take a picture, take a picture of this other one, combine, put them, I'm going to put them on Instagram. And I want you guys to see how I'm, this is just cool when you discover something. Oh, but, um, yeah, I'd have to say for this episode, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a four out of five. Um, the only thing I didn't care about Tommy, the therapist, I hope we don't see him anymore. That's annoying. Get rid of that toy. No kid is going to want that toy. But the things I did like about it, I liked, of course, I like how uh, Ricky and Dexter were, like, trying to get up and leave that situation. You know, like, I don't want to be in the middle of this fight between, you know, my dad and my grandfather. And how uh, <laughs> Grandfather Stratton and Edward were like, sit down, sit down, sit down. 
And uh, <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um, the other thing I liked was... Um, I liked the talk between Ricky and his grand his grandfather. I really, really liked them because in the end, Ricky always seems to like talk sense into his grandfather. You know, his, his grandfather's kind of a stuffed shirt. He's set in his old ways and his proper way of speaking and everything like that. And I just Ricky makes him think it's like like what you had for my grandmother. My father has that for Kate, that love that they share and don't rip that apart. It's like, Grandfather, you owe my father an apology. for You owe my dad an apology for what you did. And Kate coming back and professing her love to Edward in front of... I mean, she let Grandfather Strand have it. Like, I'm not going to let you stand in the way of what your son and I have. Like, I may not have a lot of money. I may not be an heiress. I'm or come from a fortune or anything, but I know that what he and I have is real. So, and she full on kisses, macks him on the mouth. Right, like, dips him, like a man would dip a woman. He, she dips him like that. And, um, I did like, you know, Ricky and Edward, or Ricky and Grandfather Stratton coming in on the train and with the little fish and everything. I thought that was cute. So that's my, uh, four out of five. Um, as far as for a silver spoonful, I probably said it during the episode, as far as do not let other people discourage you from your feelings for somebody. If what you and that person have are real and true and what you know is between the two of you, that is your business. Someone else may not agree about your relationship, but that's not their business. They don't have a say in that. I mean, if somebody would have offered me money and said, hey, if you marry so-and-so who's got a lot of money, like, if, if my family background came from money, which they really, um, I just, and I was already with Jeremy, like, no, no, because there would be no love there. It's more of a marriage transaction than anything else. And it's like, what is a marriage if it's not built on love and trust and understanding? I mean, who wants a marriage built on convenience? I mean, nobody. I, I mean, who wants that? I mean, if I'm going to be married to somebody, I want to, there to be love and understanding and a partnership and a friendship and all of that. You know how people always say, I married my best friend. Well, yes, that's true. And, you know, this is just my, my thoughts on the episode, basically what I got from it. It's not advice that you have to necessarily take. It's just, that's what I got from it. Um, so let's talk about the next episode. We're getting very close to the end here, guys. We got two episodes left of season one. The next episode, season one, episode 21, entitled, Won't You Go Home, Bob Danish. This episode aired on March 5th, 1983. An old suitor of Kate's accidentally crashes his small plane on the grounds of the Stratton's estate after flying low over the house in an, in, in an effort to impress her, and Edward reluctantly invite, invites him to stay due to his injured leg. Well, he probably doesn't want to be sued. But... This this guy remember Bob Danish? It was the um when Edward professes his love to Kate at that opera concert, 
And we were all like, geez, Bob Danish, you're such a pig. You're just a chauvinistic pig. So why are we seeing this jerk again? What, what does he really have to offer as far as Kate's with Edward? The point is pretty clear. So what does having this guy come back help the plot, help the show, help anything? It doesn't. But I'm just, I'm just getting through that one so I can get to the X game or the X, X team or whatever because the season one finale. Because I'm excited about that episode, which you probably heard me talk about it. Well, the boy, <laughs> that one is about the boys um, watching an X-rated movie on cable. That yeah, so that that because I remember that was just it was funny just, um, but yeah. Let's say hey to some uh, podcast listeners, shall we? Let's jump on that. Let me get in the right area. Let's class it. Here we go. Okay. Forgive me if I mispronounce anything. Uh, Mauston, M-A-U-S-T-O-N, Wisconsin. We have Reno, Nevada. Bronx, New York. Blairstown, New Jersey. Los Angeles, California. This is Reservoir, Australia. Delmas, D-E-L-M-A-S, Haiti. Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Gainesville, Florida. Stratton Island, New York. Hurricane, West Virginia. Laurel, Maryland. Springfield, Illinois. Dundin, D-U-N-E-D-I-N, New Zealand, Jacksonville, Florida, and this says ex-Philippines, I don't know what that is, uh, Revere, Massachusetts, and Kansas City, Missouri. We are getting so close to the end. I am excited, um, to be starting season two, because we're gonna get into, there, you know how Punky Brewster was mainly made up of, you know, fun episodes, but then you had your serious slash special episodes where you learn a lesson. Um, Silver Spoons might have a couple of those here and there, but it's mainly kind of semi-goofy-ish ones. Like, there are some, like, oh, he learns a lesson. There are others It's like, this really serves nothing to the show itself. It's just Ricky getting into trouble and having to get out of trouble and learning a lesson. Right, Quinn? That's right, baby. It's getting on your dinner time, isn't it? Yeah. You causing mischief now, huh? Because it's so close to your din-din time, you little silly kitty. My crazy cat. Um, If you follow along on Instagram, Quinn, if you chew on those wires, I'm going to not be happy. Come on, get back. I know your dinner's going to be on its way soon. Um, but if you follow along on Instagram, you'll know that I have a new family member, furry family member named Liesl. She's a hamster. Quinn, what are you doing? Stop. All right, guys, I'll let you go. I got to wrangle this kitty cat. It's uh, getting close to her dinner time and she's getting chewy. She likes to chew on wires. (laughs) Bye-bye, everybody. I'll see you next week with a new episode. Bye-bye.